Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. Joining us for our Q&A this week as we continue on with our Whiskey Week celebration, our Ode to National Bourbon Heritage Month, we have someone that you might say, wait, I didn't think they were in Kentucky. Well, guess what? They're, they're going to be here soon. And we welcome in the CEO of Bespoken Spirits, Peter Iglesias. Peter, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, thank you. I'm enjoy- looking forward to this. Well, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be cool to be able to share some some of this stuff. I know you guys have kind of officially announced your move to Lexington and, and where you're heading, and we'll get into that along with all the juice that you guys are making. But, but first, a little bit about you. I call this the Cliff Notes version. Just a little bit about us because I got some good questions to ask. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I'm born and raised in – well, born in New Jersey, but raised in South Florida, uh, kind of a – self-built person paid my way through college and you know just worked really hard I've been in the spirits industry spirits and wine industry for over 20 years Uh, learned a lot uh, worked for some incredible companies incredible people that have really given me the tools to to be where we are today and all of a sudden I I joined Bespoken Spirits here a little more than a year ago and it's been one heck of a ride it's been unbelievable lots of exciting things coming in the future so uh, we're pumped we're pumped to come to lexington i'll tell you that well i I have a feeling lexington is going to be very excited and i'm always curious about this too because it's interesting when you ask folks how they got into the the alcohol industry the spirits industry why and it's always funny because i swear everyone has a different story it could be well i needed this side job or i needed this and next Mm -hmm. thing you know you meet people and you you end up having a career how was it for you to get into this this crazy world that is alcohol <laughs> yeah. i love telling this story by the way i so y- you know paying my way through college i was a bartender like like and i was working on the weekends and you know and i i was just always fascinated with cocktails and um and, and spirits in general and uh then at, well, i graduated college my first job was in pharmaceutical sales so I got this really incredible foundation in sales to learn how to manage a territory, understand your product, talk about, you know, why this product should work for you, etc. And I frankly I, I hated it. <laughs> and so I, I kind of I said, you know what, let me take a step back and let me rethink things. And uh, I went back to work managing a bar of all things. You know, I'm in my early twenties here and all of a sudden I start meeting these liquor reps uh, coming to, to visit me and, you know, they're all like, you would be great at this job. So that's lo and behold, I, I started out working for NDC in Florida, uh, transitioned over to the Diageo division at Southern Glacier and just started working with different suppliers, Florida, the Kanye rum. That's really where I kind of fell in love with this industry, frankly, because I got an opportunity to build something from its infancy stages. Uh, and, uh, it was a great product, high quality. And, uh, and I, it's almost like having a child and watching it grow and, and, and be born into this world. Right. And so I, that's where I found my passion in this industry. And, you know, then I went to work for some bigger companies, you know, managing director of DeSorono, um, created a company from there. We, uh, uh, became our own import company and, that was a great learning. And uh, then I went to over to DeKuyper and worked for Royal Dutch Distillers, ran their entire operation, built the entire team. And 
and then I ended up here at Bespoke. And so, yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's how this whole uh, this this whole thing uh, ended up here. Man. So it's been it's been an adventure. <laughs> I, I, I love it because I mean that, that, I feel like that's how so many people because it's not like you can take class well nowadays you can take classes on getting into the alcohol industry but back you yeah. know five ten years ago and longer that wasn't the case and usually it was hey I'm just gonna go there and ask ask if I can get some work or you, you meet the right people and it's cool to see where it led you and now mm-hmm. you, you you talked about a lot of other other brands you know rums and wine, things mm-hmm. like that were you a fan of when did whiskey get in there for you and have you been a fan of whiskey all your life or is that a, a, an acquired taste later on? <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people all the time, um, you know, I think we all kind of start off with the clear spirits and it, a little easier to tolerate, eat a little easier to mix. And so yeah, gin and, and vodka early on. But when I, I started learning about aged spirits when I went to work for Florida, Ganya, the rum, and they had some phenomenal aged spirits and, so I, I kind of fell in love with the brown spirit right there. And then I, I went over and I was working for Di Serono, and that was more of a something that you add to a cocktail. So I started doing things like Godfathers. And, and so that's where the passion came in. I, and then I really started dabbling into bourbons and whiskeys and, and falling in love with, man, yeah, every, each one of these has their own distinct flavor profile and, you know, there wasn't one that I ever disliked. And, and I, I hate to say that on a podcast, but there's a lot of good whiskey out there. And, you, you know, each of them, I, you know, we all have our own distinct flavor profile that we love. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody's wrong to like or dislike something. It's it's up to you. You know, it's your own personal choice. Well, and, and then you made the choice to go to mm-hmm. Bespoken. Uh, you know, I've had I've had the pleasure of talking with uh, Martin and and Stu a while back when they kind of first launched on a flight and I tried mm-hmm. some stuff. But obviously, mm-hmm. they're doing some some different things in the industry. What what drew you to take on the role as CEO there? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, um, and, and I love telling this story too. Ironically, but so I, I'm I'm in this role at DeKuyper and I'm the COO and I'm kind of cruising in, you know, and it's, it's, it's great. No, I had no ambition to leave. Uh, I was very happy, very content. And, uh, so yeah, the, uh, they had a recruiter call me up that I've known for 20 years in this industry. And he's like, I think you should check this out. This, this is kind of right up your alley. You, you know, you've built companies, you've built brands and this is something that is disruptive to the industry. This is something that's very different. Um, there's people out there doing it, but this is a little different than, than that. And I think there's, there's something big here. So I, I went ahead and I spoke to Martin and I spoke to some of the people on the board. And yeah, these are some fascinating human beings, man. They were just super intelligent. Um, and I think what they needed was just somebody to kind of like myself, who has the experience of dealing with this really complex uh, U.S. distribution world that we're in, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and they were they were challenged in a lot of ways to, you know, and, and it kind of stunted things. So when I heard the story, when I heard the tech, you know, heard, heard all about the technology and um, heard their challenges, it it excited me it got me it got me amped up and you know you get really comfortable in life and in the positions that you're in and i hadn't felt that excitement in a few years to be honest and 
so it got me excited and then i was like okay i have got to taste this stuff because i can't take a job and not <laughs> like what i'm drinking right and um sure enough i i tasted it and i was i was i was blown away i don't know if i would call myself a a whiskey guru but i i will tell you i enjoyed it i still enjoy it and it's it's been uh it's been a lot of fun so i accepted the role and you know clearly had a, a huge job to do in kind of reorganizing, getting things up and running and getting the right people in place. And, um, you know, so sorry about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just a process, you know, the first six months to a year, it's, it's an arduous, um, situation. You, you really got to put a lot of work in and it's a lot of, um, you know, just stabilizing and building a foundation to, to build a successful company and brand towards. So uh, we've done an incredible job. My team has done an amazing job this year. I'm so proud of them. Um, and we've come a long way. We've launched five SKUs this year. We've launched 10, skate, 10 states this year. We're going to open a new facility this year. So we've done more in, in one year than most companies do in like four or five years, right? So it, it's been it's been an adventure, like I said. Well, it seems very fitting with with what you guys do in terms of kind of reimagining the the process and and do and and kind of you know not, I don't want to say speeding up because I don't think you can ever truly speed up what a, a whiskey is, but you guys take a whole different approach. And without getting too into the details and you know anything proprietary, yeah, yeah. how does the process work and and why does it work and why was it something they wanted to do? Yeah, so. Without giving up secrets, like you said. Um, <laughs> I mean, like you can, say, but I don't think you should. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. You know, in essence, finish it differently. So we can take something that's two years old and make it taste like 10 years old. How do we know that? Because we enter co competitions, like real competitions in San Francisco and New York, World of Whiskies, and we keep making great tasting whiskey and winning awards for it. Um, so I like to tell people, instead of putting the bourbon in the barrel or the whiskey in the barrel, we put the barrel in the whiskey. You know, so we use our wood staves. You know, we it's this controlled environment where we control heat, pressure, time, and the overall, and any kind of movement, any shaking, stirring, whatever that might be. And that's where the magic happens. And what, what fascinated me most about the process is we have, like, these thumbprints of different... Um, different taste profiles and we have thousands thousands so it's really cool to see hey if somebody comes to us and says i want something that's smoky sweet maybe some orange zest you know and we we have all the data to support this and it's it's funny you talked about martin and an incredible engineer phd just brilliant mind um you know putting this together you know, it's, it's almost, it's pretty simple, but it's not, it's pretty complex at the same time. And, but he's, he, he did a brilliant job with this, putting this technology together and to have the, the vision to be able to do something like this. And then, you know, my job now is to take the ball and get it out to the, to the market and get people comfortable with the technology, get people to taste it. And, you know, not everybody's going to love it, you know, you're always going to have people that are going to have be naysayers. You know, this is, uh, you know, this is an, an industry steeped in tradition. I like to say, and, uh, you know, so not everybody's going to go, Oh, this is brilliant. You know, um, this, uh, 
but you know that's that's part of the game you know and we're 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 very confident and i'm cautiously optimistic that people are gonna this will resonate because of all the the good things that come out of this and this process and you know helping the environment and just doing it um I, i think at the end of the day if you can save hundreds of millions of dollars trees wood electricity you know you got to take a good look at it, especially if you're making a quality product. And, and I was going to say, at the end of the day, it does come down to what's in the bottle. And I guess the question you probably get a lot of is, is it whiskey? Is it bourbon? Is it rye? Is it true by the definition that, that we see day to day? Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, we have to go, like everybody else, we have to go through TTB to get it approved. And, you know, so we meet all the requirements, you know, for us. And I, I really important that people understand this. You know, I, we're we're not trying to change the old ways. We're just introducing another way, and I think we finish it in a way that makes incredible tasting juice. And that's that's ultimately what we all want. You know, we're we're not trying to change the world overnight here. You know, but we're trying to show folks that this is a quality product. And this is a really great technology that is going to help us in the long run, help the industry in the long run, I believe. So uh, that's who we are. And that's that's how we're going to keep going forward here. So it is at least that t- two years old on, on all of them. Yeah. Well, it's not on all of them. So by definition, <clears throat> the bourbon itself has to be in the, the, the oak barrel for at least three months. And so that's, that's what, what it is. Again, we can, we have our rye has two year old and we have certain things that have, and we create things too as well. So our core skews all have different, um, different juice in it from the start. Um, but ultimately what makes it taste good in my opinion is the process itself. And, uh, so that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And and you also mentioned on that process that it is more sustainable. It is better for the environment. Why was that something y'all really focused on with with this strategy? Because you know, as you know, the uh, the new generation of drinkers come aboard, that is something that they are kind of curious about and and want to see. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that statement. Um, you know, we don't we a we don't use any additives in what we're doing. Um, so it's not like we're you know doing some voodoo to, 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 <laughs> I mean, so it, it's really a process thing. And for us, you know, think of the world that we're living in today, Jonathan, it's everybody is cognizant of ESG, you know, these huge publicly traded companies, um, they're, they're asked, they want people, you know, the, the shareholders want to understand how are they improving? How are they getting better? Uh, what are you doing to, to, not chop down hundreds of thousands of trees, you know, what are you doing to, to save energy and water and wood? Um, and so we, people, people know who we are. Um, I, I've talked to all of the major companies, um, and they are very keen on our technology. They want to know more about it. And, you know, that being said, it, it just shows me that we're, we're onto something here. Um, cause if you like, let's just take, for example, the storage of, I don't know how many millions of barrels a year. If you can take something that's two years old and not have to age it another three years, five years, 
whatever it might be, and you can use this process to finish it. Think of how much you're going to save in storage. Oh, by the way, angel share, you know, all these different things that, um, you know, make a lot of sense. And I think, I think companies now in our industry are, are thinking that way and they're, they, they have to, well, they don't have to, but I think a lot of them will adapt over time and they will make some, some changes going forward. And at least I feel that way. Well, it's always interesting to see where it, where it goes because uh, so much is changing, and it's not like this industry can change super quick with yeah. with what uh, what goes in, into everything, just kind of by by the laws and the standards. But you mentioned you exactly. got five SKUs out there now, and and mm-hmm. a couple of three of them are yours specifically. Yes. I, th- I believe with the name. If you're watching, you can see I got the bespoken bourbon, the mm-hmm. bespoken rye. Mm-hmm. And then the American whiskey as well. So, can you talk a little bit about those three and how they came to be? Yeah. So, um, the first thing I I recognized when I came over here is um, they had I, I believe they had nine SKUs came over. And um, you know, for me, when you're building a brand, um, not just building a brand, but you're introducing a new technology. Uh, if you give too many uh, options, it becomes confusing to the consumer. Let's face it. Um, we live in a consumer's world today and the options are abundant. Um, so I immediately said, okay, we've got to shrink this down to a core three SKUs. Okay. And with all three are award winning, double gold medal winning. Um, and I said, we, and I also changed the, the packaging because frankly, it, it was, uh, it was a lot different earlier before. Uh, I came and uh, so we wanted to go a little more classy, high end, premium looking and uh, put our what we thought to be the best juice that we had in these bottles. And so that was the core foundation to, you know, you know, obviously you want a bourbon, you want a whiskey and you want a rye. I think that it's, you know, for the category, those are the core that you want to go to. We can do a lot of unique things. You know, we can start with some Japanese whiskey and, 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 and finish it and make it taste amazing. We can do some, we can do rum, we can do anything. And it's, that's, that gets me excited for the future because once we introduce this and get this and hopefully rolling in the right direction and people are aware of it and consumers are buying it and calling for it. You know, then you can start adding those pieces to the puzzle, you know, and say, hey, the spoken also has a rum. And, you know, so it's cool. It's an exciting, exciting process. So, yeah, back to your earlier question. I think it's it was it was a matter of simplifying it and being hyper focused on a core uh, group of SKUs to really get the technology um, out to uh, people not confuse them because you don't want to overbear people with too much information, and, you know, cause they'll shut off typically. And I, I think it's keep the message very simple and concise. And at the end of the day, we're making great tasting award winning whiskey. And that's the bottom line. Well, and you make a great point on the bottle. This is a very, I, that was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, Ooh, I like the yeah. label. I like the look. And, for those that are watching, if you can see, I'll put it up there. That is a very dark color that I was not expecting on the rye and the and the bourbon, mm-hmm. more so than maybe the American whiskey. It's still darker, but those two, when they're just sitting here, I'm like, that is 
that looks like it's been in a barrel for a good while and uh, yeah. on the taste that I think you can you can get that cuz there are some some really good good flavors there and and how has that I mean I know the the awards are there but obviously at the end of the day it's the consumers and how has that feedback gone when you finally have had that chance to get liquid to lips Yeah it's been overall it's been positive um like we talked about earlier it's you're never going to be loved by everybody you know, and I think that's part of the, any process of introducing something new. Um, and, you know, we, we don't, we're not going to sit here and frown upon that. You know, it's okay. I think um, <laughs> overall we have launched. So for me, I look at a key indicator. I think key indicators are states like California, Texas, and Florida. Uh, and also you look at New York and Illinois. Uh, but to me, also Kentucky. Uh, we just launched Kentucky. I want to say three weeks ago with RNDC. And uh, so I'm excited to see how that rolls out. But to answer your question, we have seen really good results in Florida and Texas. Um, those are huge markets um, where we're getting distribution out there. And what, you know, people get a little confused sometimes. Oh, you sold a thousand cases, but if it doesn't rotate, it doesn't matter, you know? And so, We've been very precise, and this is where my expertise from a commercial standpoint comes in and bringing in the right people. Because you, you, you got to, these relationships with your distributor partners are, are critical. And the last thing you want to do is load in distributors. They're sitting on inventory. And so we're really building it organically and, and doing the right things by the brand, getting the, 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 the liquid into the, into the mouths of consumers. So whether it's on premise or off premise, we're, we're, highly focused on a core group of accounts and, and making sure that, Hey, you know, these are the right partners to help grow this, this, this technology in these, in these brands. Well, and, and then you've got a, a cool, uh, in addition to those three, you've got a cool thing that you guys have, have launched yep. over the last three months and that's the artisan uh, partnerships. How did that come to be? And, and we'll talk about the two here in a second, but how did that come to be and why was it something that you guys wanted to, to do? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, in any startup company, um, the, the biggest challenge is, is raising funds, right? So uh, it takes time to build a brand organically. It takes a lot of money. It takes patience and it takes time. So, you know, building the bespoken brand, we, we all recognize that that's not something that's going to happen in an instant. So, you know, it, it came to my attention that we had an opportunity um, to build another division to the, the company, and it's the Artist Partnership Division. And we work hand-in-hand. Hand. It's one of our board members is Bruce Kalmick from a group called Why and How, based out of Austin, Texas. They are an entertainment management group um, involved in some of the biggest country acts in the world, and also connected to um, a lot of athletes and entertainment uh, folks. So it, you know, it, it was my feeling that you want, if you can build a brand with our technology, because we can do it fast. You know, I can send off 10 samples of stuff that you think that you described to me and you can pick one and that we can have it as opposed to if you go to a big, you know, whiskey company, there's that come back in three years. We'll see you later. And, so for us, we had that advantage. So it, it kind of brought me to the conclusion that, okay, if we can sign 
a couple of huge artists, big artists a year, have a built-in consumer base, that's a built-in revenue stream for us to support the brand building and technology building of the bespoken end of things. So it acts almost as an enabler, you know, you, so your revenue is going to shoot up. It can support the continued um, process of brand building. So th that was my Frankenstein moment when I first came over and it was, uh, you know, it's, it, so far it's worked out really well. Um, I think, you know, this, we signed uh, Leonard Skinner and uh, we're doing the 50 year anniversary and they have hell house. And then we have, uh, Whiskey Myers, which is another uh, country rock kind of uh, Texas-based band, uh, and then we launched Uncle Chicken, which is is their creation and their name, and it's it's that I actually I love the juice in that, and it's fantastic. So uh, you know, so two interesting, similar but different. One's more iconic and uh, been around for fifty years. It's a whole other generation singing the music, and then. You've got this up and coming, possibly the next Leonard Skinner in, in Whiskey Myers. So uh, we've, we've seen uh, a great growth with both. Uh, we just launched both of them late July. Um, we're seeing, you know, fantastic revenue from both of them. And it's, it's, it, it's kind of all coming together now. Um, my, you know, my goal is when we do the grand opening, of, of gray line i would like at least one of those bands there signing their bottles for a grand opening party and maybe ribbon cutting kind of thing so that's my vision i i feel like these folks can really take the technology out to the world here and kind of show everybody yeah this is this is good stuff and uh we we support it and we're a part of it no it, it was awesome we got to on our sister podcast, Bar Conversations, we got to share a drink. Well, uh, mm -hmm. Jeff wasn't drinking before the show. He was going to save that for after, <laughs> after. But it was fun to, to talk to, to to them about it. And, and then obviously the, the Hell House here as well. And it's cool to see because, like you said, it is good good juice and it's fun. And I also enjoyed the, the just the names. You know, they're fun. The Uncle Chicken sipping whiskey. That is pure whiskey. Myers, fun, silly, kind of having a good time. And then obviously Hell House for for uh for leonard skinnard yeah. and and you know you, you talk about that that move to lexington and gray line and mm -hmm. maybe having some one of them there i mean how important was it for you guys or why did you decide to leave california or you haven't technically left yet i guess you're in the process mm -hmm. of moving everything to lexington why yeah. why move and why come into lexington and then gray line station yeah that's a great question um well clearly economics played a big part of this you know the the cost of doing business in California is astronomical, and we're we're not your typical tech company. We're not Facebook, you know. We're, we're and you're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that these people can can come up with. We're we're a spirits company with some technology to it, and so for me, that was the first thing that I felt like we really needed to address um, because the cost of doing business was you know i've managed many pnls in my time and it's you know to see those numbers uh, it's i almost fell out of my chair and yeah um and, and also you know we chose lexington because you know lexington really 
welcomed us with open arms and they they were so easy to you know that's a nice feeling for somebody who wants you you know in, in their community and to be a part of it and that to me is monumental i because in california it's it's not like that and not to throw dirt on california it's just a different it's like a whole new country another country man it's massive and so a small little company like ours isn't even on the radar whereas we come into lexington and they have welcomed us with open arms um they and it's been a pleasure and the community is i think the community environment is just completely different it's it's much more uh I don't know if I'd call it well Midwest slash South kind of feel to it, and uh, people are very kind and generous, and you know, and and open to to this this technology. Um, I think it's uh, you have a young dynamic here with UK uh, right down the street from us, uh, and they all. I think that next generation, like we talked about earlier, is they're all aware of you know doing what's right for the environment and if we can do it better uh, we should probably find a way and um so yeah that's 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 why we're in lexington i mean we looked at other places but i i personally fell in love with it um and uh it's i now have a home in lexington so (laughs) (laughs) getting back and forth from florida to lexington yeah well, good, good. Hopefully, we we will be able to run into each other on, on occasion. And then you mentioned obviously the the home base will be be Grayline, where I assume tasting rooms and things like that, and then mm-hmm. probably a second site for for some of the other stuff. But when are you hoping to? Obviously, things change, and you never know exactly when. It's hard to put a date this far out. But when are you hoping to get in Lexington and have have something there at Grayline? Yeah. So we have already moved our lab and our offices to gray line so we're everything's there it's not built out yet um we will have the production facility online before the end of this year so we will start producing my hopes are in december of this year um it's that when we start producing we will also be putting a still in the uh, production facility that's not so much to produce the juice ourselves. it's more about using that juice to work with our R&D like let's face it what makes us different from everybody else is our technology and so we will continue to invest and we will continue to get better in R&D and continue to make better tasting spirits you know going it's like I I think people get complacent over time they they have something that works you know and they just keep going with it and never improve it I think the key to any successful company is continuous improvement and uh i think the key to that for us is through r d and having some incredible minds in r d working through this and, and getting better day in and day out um you know it, again i think what makes us different is the technology if not we're just another bourbon or another rye on the shelves and We've got to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing and advertising for the next 10 years to have any kind of impact and, and be a part of this. So, you know, we're, we're going to focus on that. And, uh, you know, R&D is going to be the, the, the true uh, trigger for us, I think. And then when you do finally get that tap room open or not tap room, the, the tasting room and kind of that that side of things, what will people be able to expect and kind of see while, while they're there? Cause obviously, you know, it is a little bit different what you guys are doing. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know if you're aware, but so in Gray Line, we will have our tasting room and retail space. Uh, in that retail space, we have a $600,000 kitchen that was made for television and like for cooking shows. So we're going to we're going to use that to our advantage. Um, we'll probably do a lot of food pairings with our whiskeys and, you know, and do some some cooking shows. But overall, that that will be part of it. But, you know, we're still in the developmental stages of what that experience is going to look like. Um, we are this close to hiring somebody who I think is a rock star um, for for this position. Uh, and uh, he's local, Lexington. Um, love this guy. And maybe we'll talk again and I can introduce him on the next time. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, yeah, that that will be we'll, – we'll, we'll share some of the technology. You know, we'll talk about it. I'm certain of that. I think you have to. But across Gray Line, there's a whole other building warehouse where we'll have our production facility there and our distilling and we'll have our bottling line there too. Um, we're still small enough that we can we can do that and fit everything in there. Um, you know, but once we hit that 100,000 case mark, you know, that, that may change quickly. Um, but yeah, so people will have the opportunity not just to see the um, – the retail space and where we're, you know, we, we do our seminars and things of that nature in the kitchen. They'll have an opportunity to walk across the parking lot and actually go into our, our area where we work our magic too and, and see the still and see the, um, where the process is, is happening in the bottling line and stuff. So it's, it's pretty neat to have everything all in one area, you know, and, uh, I think people will enjoy it. You know, we want to do something special there for sure. Well, I'm excited to see what what becomes of everything at Grayline. They've got some exciting changes happening there with, with just the the ever involving nature of these things, and it's cool to see you all there. And you touched on this as well at the beginning, or kind of as we we've talked. And I guess my last question is: is what does the the future look like for for y'all is it more releases as as things make sense is it more partnerships with artists and things like that is that kind of the future and then hopefully branch out a little bit further into other spirits as well yeah definitely i like we talked about you know the first year or two is is laying the foundation and and making sure that you know you're not doing too much uh too fast and making sure what you do you do it the right way and uh i we will have a special edition come out next year for the holiday season. Um, something that we've been kind of working on. It'll be another skew, but it'll be a limited amount of, of uh, product made and, and offered. It'll probably more than likely it'll be an e-commerce push. Um, but you know, we will definitely do that next year. Um, the plan is to have another two artist partnerships next year. I will say at least one for sure. Um, what we will do is probably one very, very big artist next year. We're in negotiations right now contractually uh, to sign one. Uh, and there are some smaller tiered artists that we're talking to as well. So, you know, that's the goal. So if you think about it, potentially this time next year, we could have four SKUs for Bespoken and then four artist partnerships um, all at the same time. And you have eight SKUs and, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that is what the future looks like for us. We'll, we'll keep building, we'll keep growing as long as people are receptive to it. And, you know, we want to do, um, we, we just want to make great whiskey and, and we want people to love it. And, uh, 
that's our hopes. So we'll, we'll keep doing that and we'll see what happens. Well, so far so good. Like I said, I, I really, my two favorites were obviously the, the rye. I'm, I'm a sucker for a rye. That's kind of my, my go-to, but the bourbon was very flavorful. And I mm-hmm. also just enjoyed the uncle chickens as well. It, the, there's something about that one that, that stood out for, for me. And like I said, like, and like you said, everyone has different taste profiles, so it's worth <laughs> giving every one of them a, a try if you can. And Peter, sounds like you guys have some exciting things coming and I appreciate you sharing it all with us. No, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I'm excited excited to be in Lexington soon. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.